This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings at hundreds of stores, including Doc Martens, Ninja Kitchen, and Hotels.com. Prep for summer and save big on beauty, travel, electronics, and more. It's one of Rakuten's biggest cash back events, and it's on May 6th through May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Jane Pauley is off this weekend. I'm Lee Cowan, and this is Sunday Morning. There's a good chance it was on your list of New Year's resolutions. Losing weight. Trouble is, it was probably on last year's list, too. For so many of us, getting rid of those extra pounds and keeping them off is an intractable problem. But as you've probably heard, there's a new weapon in the Battle of the Bulge, a new class of drugs that could radically control America's obesity epidemic and its costly impact on healthcare. Susan Spencer this morning is weighing in. That was my heaviest weight, about 250 pounds. Weight has been a lifelong struggle for Laquita Clark. You open it up. But last June, everything changed. What was going through your mind when you opened that package? It's like, well, here we go. <laughs> and honestly, it was the best thing I could have ever done. Life-changing. The life-changing impact of drugs like Ozempic and the questions that surround them. Coming up on Sunday morning. We know Sharon Stone for her many film roles, but as I found out, 
there is a lot more to the picture. We're both very excited to be interviewed today. <laughs> Bandit, her dog, goes just about everywhere actor Sharon Stone goes these days, including lying at her feet while she paints and paints and paints. I don't think I'm just an actress or a writer or a painter. I think I'm just an artist. The new brushstrokes the Oscar nominee is taking to her long career ahead on Sunday morning. Two decades after finding himself in a groundbreaking role and a target of deadly threats, trailblazing Episcopal Bishop Gene Robinson is talking with Ted Goppel. Blessed be the name of the Lord. As the first openly gay bishop in all of Christendom, Gene Robinson expected some hostility. Still, a call from the Vermont State Police back in 2009 hit a little too close to home. We just arrested someone. He had a picture of you and your partner, and he had scrawled across it, save the church, kill the bishop. No recent death threats, but it's still a hot issue. Later on Sunday morning. Also this morning, Tracy Smith is in conversation with Emma Stone, along with the director of her buzzworthy new movie. Plus, Dr. John LaPook with a primer on the prostate. David Martin on those rebel attacks in the Red Sea. Commentary from historian Mark Updegrove. And more. This is a Sunday morning for the 21st of January, 2024. We'll be back in a moment. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. We try, and mostly we fail, to lose those pounds that have left some 7 in 10 Americans overweight. But as you've seen in all those TV commercials, including on this network, there's a new class of drugs that could be a game changer. Susan Spencer looks into the pros and cons. What goes through your mind when you see yourself at that weight? It's a totally different person. 44-year-old Laquita Clark says memories of being overweight and ridiculed go back to middle school. I remember sitting on the school steps with a group of my friends and just a group of other kids walking by just, oh my God, you're so fat. Ooh, it, it was very hurtful. That was my heaviest weight, about 250 pounds. Over the years, Clark, a nurse in Nashville, Tennessee, tried everything from fad dieting to kickboxing. Nothing worked. 
was almost like, like torture because of that relationship that I had with the food. It's like, these are things that I love. I'm eating things that I love and um, it's giving me comfort at the moment. So why, why change that? There's one dose in each package? Actually, this is a month's worth. Okay. But last June, everything changed. So what you do is you open it up. When diagnosed as pre-diabetic, she was prescribed Ozempic. With one small injection a week, her health improved and something else happened too. When were you at your heaviest? What were you? And how much weight have you actually lost since starting this drug? The heaviest weight that I've been is 250 pounds. Right now I'm at 164. That's life changing. Tell me in a nutshell, how do these drugs work? So these drugs are in a class of medicines that signal fullness to the brain and regulate blood sugar. Dr. Rekha Kumar is chief medical officer at Found. The reality is, is that people don't fail diets. Diets fail people. The weight loss app that Laquita Clark uses to receive her care and to get her Ozempic. So if I'm taking one of these drugs, I will know when it's time to stop eating or what? So it's really amazing to see it when it works and people will say that it's the first time they've felt normal or it's the first time they felt full. Wow. An obesity specialist, she helped oversee early trials of GLP-1 medications. GLP-1s include Ozempic, oh, 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 Ozempic and Monjaro, used for diabetes, Wigovi and Wagovi and Zepbound approved for weight loss. On average, people lose 10 to 20 percent of their body weight in the first year. For many of the roughly 74 percent of Americans who are overweight or obese, that is almost unimaginable. This is a scientific breakthrough, and not just because of weight control, but because of cardiovascular risk reduction, mm -hmm. treating diabetes, people are actually getting healthier. And, and that's the point of medicine. It isn't just to be thinner. But clearly being thinner is what's causing all the buzz. It's all over social media. People are documenting their journeys. They're injecting on Instagram, showing other people how to do it. Doesn't this concern you? Definitely. A lot of it concerns me. I saw What's most concerning? We're seeing people want to get a hold of these medicines that don't need them at all. People trying to fit into dresses and wanting to lose the vanity weight. And that's not really what these were made for. What are some of the most unusual places that you've heard of people being able to get these drugs? The hair salon. Oh, come on. Yeah. One of my colleagues forwarded me an email from her hair salon basically saying, like, come get a blow dry and get your Ozempic. But the hair salon isn't the only place where drugs like Ozempic are making an impression. This is certainly not escape Wall Street's attention. Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Simeon Siegel is a senior analyst at BMO Capital Markets. He says GLP-1 drugs could be a gold mine for investors. In terms of one product that had the potential to affect this many industries, have you ever seen anything like this? Well, so, that's, so I don't know the numbers, but I wonder if the iPhone. The iPhone? Do you think this could have as big an impact as the iPhone? Well, if it hits 40% of the people. If, if at the end of the day, if this becomes something that is as widely accessible as the conversations can bring it to, it should have a very large impact. With people thinner, he envisions a ripple effect, 
a potential boom in athleisure wear, even in gym memberships. It's sort of intuitive that Ozempic might be the death knell for gyms. Who needs a gym? My hypothesis, with anecdotal evidence, is when someone who hasn't been fit becomes fit, starts becoming fit, they change their life to make sure they're protecting and truly being fit. And so instead of canceling the gym membership, they would tend sign to up. sign up. Yeah. He says analysts even blue sky about a big boost for the airlines, since lighter passengers could mean lower costs. But all this depends on the drugs being widely available, which currently is far from a given. So the biggest problem with these medicines right now is access. And there are people paying out of pocket. That How much? Sometimes up to $1,200 a month. So right now we're seeing maybe 30% of the time we're seeing coverage of these medicines, which is quite low, considering mm -hmm. we said 70% of the population might qualify. Yeah, it used to be that, what was the saying? You can't be too rich or too thin. Now you can't be thin without being rich. <laughs> it seems that way. Beyond cost, there's the issue of side effects, like an upset stomach, sometimes severe. But the big lingering question about GLP-1s, what do we know about the long-term effects of it? So I think that's a concern that we don't have 100 years of data. We have 20 years of data. If taken purely for weight loss, how long do you have to take it? Uh, we don't know. Um, that's what do you of, mean, we don't know? We don't know. So that's one of the active research questions that's going on around this class of medication right now is what happens when you stop. Um, we think that people tend to regain weight. But that is not Dr. Mara Gordon's main concern. Health is so much more complicated than the number on the scale. Rather, she worries these drugs feed a serious prejudice in our society. The problem is fat phobia. Right? The problem is a culture that discriminates against people based on body size. This is a really serious moral issue that our culture is facing, and Ozempic is absolutely part of that. I may have shared this with some of you guys at some Dr. Point. Gordon is an assistant yeah, professor at Cooper Medical School of Rowan University in Camden, New Jersey. She calls herself a body positive doctor. Basically, I don't bring up my patient's weight unless they want to. But you have no qualms about prescribing Ozempic or one of these drugs in cases where their health really is at stake. In patients who have diabetes, medications like Ozempic can really help them. It can help improve their blood sugar, can help protect their heart. I think society is stuck on what your body looks like, not so much concerned about the inside or your health. And though she is quite happy with what her body looks like now, Laquita Clark says feeling better on the inside is the most important part. If that involves taking medication, so be it. My focus and my goal is being healthy and being around for some years to see my children and my grandchildren grow up. So I, I don't care about what society thinks or what people are saying about it. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. 
Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. In recent weeks, we've heard a lot about the Houthis, the group that's launched dozens of attacks on ships in the Red Sea. David Martin has a Sunday journal. The Houthis, the once obscure tribe from the mountains of Yemen, have combined Islamic revolutionary fervor with Iranian-supplied weapons to disrupt global commerce and take on the U.S. military. They see this as a winning strategy for themselves. Former U.S. ambassador to Yemen, Gerald Firestein, says the Houthis, who tell their story on social media, have cast themselves as champions of the besieged people of Gaza. You know, they're, they're battle-tested. They have been at war more or less on and off since 2006. I don't think that anyone takes their military uh, prowess lightly. The revolution the Houthis started in Yemen created a humanitarian disaster of civilian casualties, disease, and malnutrition that was perhaps the worst in the world <laughs> until Gaza. So when Israel invaded Gaza, how did the Houthis react? Uh, well, uh, uh, you know, along with uh, most of the rest of the Arab world, they were uh, infuriated. And early on, the Houthis tried to fire some missiles and drones at Israel, but that effort was ineffective. Uh, and so beginning in mid-November, uh, they started attacking shipping in the Red Sea. So these attacks on uh, commercial shipping were, in essence, a fallback strategy? Uh, they were. I mean, if the Houthis had been able to hit Israel directly, they probably would have continued to do that. But targeting shipping in the Red Sea, uh, as we've seen, uh, is uh, probably more effective in, in garnering international attention. The Houthis only control 30 percent of Yemen, but that's enough to launch drones and missiles into the shipping lanes leading to and from the Suez Canal. Typically, there are weapons that are imported in whole or in part from Iran, either by sea or by some other method. But the Houthis are very good engineers. They tend to improve those weapons, and we've seen that for several years. Retired Marine General Frank McKenzie is former commander of U.S. forces in the Middle East. So Houthi weapons can actually reach out and touch and hurt uh, unarmed civilian shipping in, in this vital part of the world. This U.S.-owned vessel was never in danger of sinking. But the Houthis have scared shipping companies into taking the long way around Africa, in effect rerouting the global supply chain. As we have said repeatedly, uh, the Houthis need to stop these attacks and that they will bear the consequences for any failure to do so. Ten days ago, American and British aircraft, along with cruise missiles from U.S. Navy ships, went on the offensive, launching 150 weapons at Houthi targets in Yemen widening the war which had begun with the Hamas rampage through Israel. I mean, it was probably the least of the bad options that were available to the Biden administration. The U.S. now finds itself in a running gun battle with the Houthis, and no immediate end is in sight. Are the airstrikes in Yemen working? Well, 
when you say working, are they stopping the Houthis? No. Are they going to continue? Yes. Is this going to continue until the Houthis run out of weapons? I think it's going to continue until the Houthis run out of weapons or we take their weapons away from them by destruction. I suspect that their intent is to continue to do this until there's a ceasefire in Gaza. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. She plays a woman who's been brought back to life in a Frankenstein-inspired tale with a funny and a feminist edge. Tracy Smith is in conversation with Emma Stone and the director of her latest project, a movie that's getting plenty of award season attention. Miss Stone up top! Miss Stone, Miss Stone! If you've seen Emma Stone on any red carpets lately, then she's kind of hard to miss. You might have noticed a tall bearded man close by. He's Greek film director Yorgos Lanthimos, and it seems he and Stone are, in a professional sense, joined at the hip. How much time have the two of you spent together? Like <laughs> hundreds of thousands of hours. And it's all been magical. Every second has been a, like a dream. This is Bella. Bye. It might be more like a fever dream. Good evening. Her brain and her body are not quite synchronized. Lanthimos directed Stone in her latest film, Poor Things, based on the Alastair Gray novel of the same name. It's an updated take on the Frankenstein story. In this case, a brilliant scientist transplants a baby's brain into a recently deceased woman, Bella. She quickly evolves from being a really big toddler to a really smart adult who learns how to dance, how to read, and how to think. You're losing some of your adorable way of speaking. I'm a changingable feast, as are all of we, apparently, according to Emerson. Critics have called the film fantastical and sumptuous. It's the result of a collaboration between Stone and Lanthimos that they both say could be pretty intense. Do you fight? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, about what? We won't right now. I mean, fight. No, we don't fight, fight. We, we, um, we really communicate strongly in those moments, but I think we always resolve it relatively quickly. We can speak to each other freely, so it's, it, it helps. Lanthimos breaks down inhibitions by having cast members play theater games in rehearsals rather than just read through the script. And he likes to keep his set quiet. You don't yell, action? <laughs> no. I don't. No, we like to ease into things. In general, we try to create this atmosphere which doesn't create tension. And it all seems to have worked. 
Lanthimos acquired the rights to Poor Things years ago, but when he tried to sell the idea to studios, he got the cold shoulder. So then he made another film, one with a more conventional artistic vision, 2018's The Favorite, starring Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone. So my secrets are safe with you? All of them. Good. Even your biggest secret. Abigail. The favorite was also a favorite at the Oscars, with 10 nominations and one win, and Lanthimos' reputation soared. Did the favorite give you the juice to be able to do this? Yeah. People were asking me what it is that you want to do next, and I went, like, poor things. I can't let you go. If you do not, Bella, to turn rotten with hate. And his patience seems to have paid off. The film has already picked up a number of awards, but Stone says her character was a challenge to play. Was there ever a moment when you thought, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get this? Yeah, the whole time. <laughs> um, yes, the entire time. Seriously? Yeah. Why? I don't think there's been a day on set of any film of anything I've ever done where I've been like, <laughs> I really got it today. That was exactly what it's supposed to be. The, the, I mean, I think that's for any any creative person. You you see something in your head or you feel like it should be a particular way and then it has to come out of your mouth and your body and all of that and it never matches up to what exactly you have in your head. And it's like a constant state of acceptance and for an actor, hopefully, presence. And the Golden Globe goes to Emma Stone. Of course, she needn't have worried. The Golden Globe voters thought she got it just right. But Stone told us that worried is her natural state of being and that she's been that way since she was very young. Do you still have that anxiety? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not, not to the level that it was when I was a kid because I've, I have therapy or I have tools now to, to manage it in different ways. And as the years go on, you start to learn more about, about managing what that is. But, yeah, I mean, that's my my operating system. Now, have you figured out how to kind of channel it for good? Is that possible? If it is, please tell me. Is there a way to channel anxiety for good? Oh my God, are you kidding me? Anxiety is like, I would, I would, I'm, I feel so lucky to, to be. To be anxious? anxious. Yeah. Because I think it can be sort of like a superpower sometimes. Anxiety is very activating. It gets you out of bed. You, you kind of can't just stay in one place. It sort of forces you to keep moving I don't know. I, I find a lot of positives from it. And it seems she's made the best of it. You say there's nothing here. Well, let's make something clear. I think I'll be the one to make that call. But you'll call. A case in point, her performance in La La Land, for which she won an Oscar. I still have a, a lot of growing and learning and work to do. And this guy is a really beautiful symbol to continue on that journey, and I am so grateful for that. And now Stone and her latest movie are once again in the Oscar conversation. But she says she tries not to let it all get to her. Is there a way that you get ready for it or something that you tell yourself to navigate these waters? No, just to sort of hold everything lightly and not cling too much to any of it. And also, you know, to not take yourself seriously through that, which I don't really struggle with. <laughs> That's not really an affliction that I struggle with. Um, <laughs> taking myself super seriously, because if you were me, you wouldn't take me seriously either. 
But it's, yeah, I, I think you can take your work seriously and not yourself seriously. She is serious about her partnership with Yorgos Lanthimos. They have another project in the works and more on the way. And yes, their film may be called Fantastical, but fantastic might better describe the real life of Emma Stone. You moved out here when you were 15 years old. Is this career, this life, kind of what you were dreaming of? Oh, it's so far beyond what I, what I dreamt of. I'm, I feel so unbelievably grateful on a daily basis, Tr truly. I really, really, really wanted to be on a sitcom. <laughs> and I can't believe that I get to work with people that I admire and adore and trust and have been able to play roles that are just so far beyond what I ever imagined and it's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and I still am open for sitcoms. <laughs> if you've got anything that you're thinking about. <laughs> we'll make sure we put that out there. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. He was a man who preached peace and love, and he found himself caught up in a firestorm of hate. Ted Koppel is talking with Gene Robinson two decades after his elevation as the first openly gay bishop in the Episcopal Church. November 2003. As the Episcopal Church consecrated Gene Robinson the ninth bishop of New Hampshire, he wore the customary vestments. He was also wearing a bulletproof vest. Is it your will that we ordain Jean a bishop? What made the occasion controversial, indeed historic, was the church's acceptance of Jean Robinson as the first openly gay bishop in all of Christendom. There have been a lot of us, let's just be clear. 
Robinson is quick to point out that there have always been gay bishops in the Episcopal Church. I'm just the first openly gay one. Our service continues with the great thanksgiving on page... Almost certainly the first Episcopal bishop with purple nail polish. This was, of course, a special occasion. A celebration late last fall commemorating his consecration as bishop 20 years ago. The Congregation of St. Thomas Episcopal Church in Washington, D.C. is Bishop Robinson's parish these days. These are very much his people. And here he clearly feels more free, perhaps, to be himself. Purple fingernails and all. It pleases me to no end. It's fanciful. I love purple. As you see, bishops wear a lot of purple. And I thought, you know what? I'm 76 years old. I can get my nails painted. On a more serious note, Bishop Robinson reflected back on the climate in which he had been labeled the most dangerous man in the Anglican Church. We forget what a big deal it was and how hard it was and how many people were opposed and, and the pain it caused a lot of people. It had provoked immediate threats. One of the earliest times was the day I was elected. I got my first death threat before I got home that day. And that was to continue for two and a half years. What was the nature of that threat? I got a postcard and it began, you fornicating lecherous pig. At the time, Robinson was living with his partner, Mark Andrew, who later became his spouse. Robinson had previously been in a conventional marriage until he and his wife, Isabella Martin, decided to divorce. We were married for almost 14 years and have two wonderful daughters and two granddaughters. I get to see her and chat with her all the time. How about the daughters? When did they learn that dad was different? So they were four and eight, and I sat with the eight-year-old. I said, uh, you know what a lesbian is, right? So the eight-year-old says, oh, 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 yeah, very casual. Oh, oh, yeah, most men like women and most women like men, but some men like men and some women like women. Not bad. That, that's, that's an A-plus right there. Right. So I said, I've learned that I'm one of those men who like men. And your mom and I have together decided that she deserves a chance to find someone who can love her in that special way, and I deserve the opportunity to find someone to love uh, in my way. It's all history now. Almost 37 years since the divorce and since he came out publicly in his church. 20 years since he became a bishop. Nine years since he and Mark divorced. And through it all, Bishop Robinson has become something of an institution. The Smithsonian wants to display his vestments. He's often invited to speak these days here at Washington's National Cathedral. What a dreadful life your predecessors must have lived. The gay bishops who were not identified as such. I can tell you from my own experience, and it's one of the things that led to my coming out, is it's an awful thing to stand in a pulpit and encourage people to live authentic lives when you know you're not being authentic. It's why I felt God called me out of the closet. Do you ever feel, you know, there's more to me than my sexuality? 
I didn't want to be the, uh, the gay bishop, I wanted to be a good bishop. But I realized I, I wasn't in control of that. The media was going to make me the gay bishop whether I liked it or not. So what I decided was if I was going to be the gay bishop, then I'd be the best damn gay bishop that I could ever be. We must not proceed with this terrible and unbiblical mistake. Which Controversial? Will the oh, yes. It will break God's heart. Hundreds of parishes left the Episcopal Church. And it would be nearly seven years after Robinson's election as bishop before Mary Glasspool, a lesbian, was elected suffragan or assisting bishop of Los Angeles. Now, though, there are five openly gay bishops, including Bishop Thomas Brown of Maine and Bishop Jeff Mello of Connecticut. Bishop Robinson, who is retired, refers to them as his legacy. As you look at the church today, how does it perceive the notion of a gay bishop? I remember two different senior clergy assuring me that the fact that I was gay was not a concern. And of course it was a concern, but compared to what I think it might have been like for Mary and for Bishop Robinson, it really wasn't a concern that people had moved, that we got clear that the church was not going to fall down. The people in Maine, I show up every Sunday at a different church, the first thing they say is, where is Tom? Because they really want my spouse there. Bishops Glasspool and Mello are also married. I was never told if you're gay, it's going to be okay. But I heard over and over and over again, God loves you. My relationship with God is what got me through it all. And that's my greatest concern right now. When you say, are we tired of talking about our sexuality? I'm tired of it until I remember that there are still kids out there whose lives are being saved because they're seeing people who are living their lives openly. Fifty years from now, what are they going to say about Bishop Romans? That he was a prophet, mm -hmm. that he was courageous, mm -hmm. and I think it costs a lot. Just expand on that a little. What do you yeah. mean? Yeah, there was a period in college where I thought maybe God hated me mm -hmm. because I was feeling erotically attracted to women. Finally, um, kind of in the middle of the night, God said to me, no, you know, it's about love, mm -hmm. and I love you. Mm -hmm. If God hadn't said that to me, I don't think I'd be here. I think Bishop Robinson, actually given the history of our church, I think in 50 years, uh, there will be a date on our calendar that will have his name to it, which is to say that he will be recorded in the calendar of saints. Which brings us to the story of Matthew Shepard. CBS News has an update for you tonight on the brutal murder of a gay college student in Wyoming. In 1998, Matthew was 21, gay, and a devoted Episcopalian, so perhaps it was inevitable that he would become something of a symbol, even a martyr in the eyes of that church's first openly gay bishop. Refresh the public's memory tends to be kind of short. Yeah, uh, two young men took him out onto the prairie and beat him unmercifully. And then they did a very strange thing. They literally hung him on a fence so that when the first person who discovered him at first thought it was a scarecrow, he died uh, six days later. 
It was such a gruesome event, such a blatantly anti-gay hate crime, that Matthew's parents were reluctant to bury his ashes for fear that the gravesite would be desecrated. It wasn't until 20 years later in 2018 that they turned to Bishop Robinson to ask if the National Cathedral might take their son's ashes. And here they rest. And he's safe here from the grave being desecrated. There was a solemn ceremony presided over by Bishop Robinson. Thousands attended, many from the LGBTQ community, not always welcomed by their own churches. So I have three things I want to say to Matt. In addressing Matt, gently rest in this place. Bishop Robinson was also speaking to them. You are safe now. Oh yeah, and Matt, Welcome home. Amen. Who were you crying for? Oh, gosh. I was crying for all of my community who have died violently, um, punished for being who they are, loving who they love. I feel like my whole life took me to that moment. Because I've been living my whole life with a foot in the church and a foot in the gay community, trying to explain one to the other, trying to get them to come together again. And for, for that two hours, it happened. Bishop Robinson's commitment to the gay community and to his church have already been memorialized at St. Thomas Episcopal Church. Nothing nearly as grand as the National Cathedral, but this modest chapel has been named for him. I am not sure what I would do if I walked into this kind of an area. It, it and, feels a little strange to me, too. And so my yeah. name up there, but fortunately it's not mine, it's yours. Next to the chapel is a columbarium, a repository for the ashes of select members of the congregation. There's a box with Gene Robinson's name on it. There's something just lovely about knowing that that's all settled. And it's, you know, just right next to the altar of the Bishop Gene Robinson Chapel. Right. How could I want more than that? They're going to sanctify you at some point or another. You're in danger of being sainted. It's really embarrassing. It is. And it's not helpful. Saint Gene? <laughs> Thou sayest. Oh, here no, is. of course not. <laughs> of know? course not. I feel like the least saintly person uh, ever. But I know I'm not uh, uh, pure as the driven snow, but in my life, I'm happy with what I've done with what God has put in front of me. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. 
But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Look, I don't really feel like talking anymore. She's had some classic. Listen, lady, we can do this downtown if you want. So read me my rights and arrest me. Sharon Stone suffered a near fatal health issue. She had to reset both her career and her life. The results are now on display. There is a world where charcoal-colored snakes coil through clouds of pink and blue, where banyan trees hover almost translucent, where colors curve and nature unravels. A world of acrylic on canvas that you might be surprised to learn comes from the brushstrokes of activist and actor Sharon Stone. Nature is almost like this free hand of God, if you will. Flowers, (laughs) tulips, (laughs) dandelions. (laughs) You know, you don't have to paint a dandelion exactly like that. You know what I mean? Be what you want it to be. Yeah, it can be the feeling of the dandelion. She knows it's easy to be cynical about celebrities trying their hand in the art world. At 65, she's heard all the whispers. Everybody feels like, well, because she's old. Yeah. Because she's old. And she's too old to be a sex symbol anymore. And she's too old to do that. So we can dismiss her into her painting thing. The reaction so far has been far from negative. Last year... Stone was invited to have a gallery showing in Los Angeles. This is how I love the wind. Then came this show called Welcome to My Garden. It's currently on view at the C. Parker Gallery in Greenwich, Connecticut. You don't want people to ever really totally figure out a painting. The shows have excited both critics and collectors. Her works are now selling for tens of thousands of dollars. Now it's just a full-on business. But kind of by accident. You didn't intend it to be. No, I didn't have any real intentions except just following my passion. Does it matter whether they're buying it because they love the work or because it's Sharon Stone, the actress? Does it matter to you? People come to see my art now first just because it's me. But I feel just fine about that because I've earned being me. But no, I'm totally comfortable if you want to buy my work because it matches your sofa. (laughs) You know what I mean? No, I'm totally good with that. There's uh, no smoking in this building, Ms. Trammell. 
What are you going to do? Charge me with smoking? When she hit it big in the 90s with movies like Basic Instinct, it was pretty clear that there was more to Stone than just her looks. It's nice. She proved she could hold her own against the likes of Gene Hackman in a Western. You're not fast enough for me! Today I am. And there were few chip fits. I don't steal anything from you. Like the one Stone threw in Casino. That role got her an Oscar nomination, but Stone says even back then, acting was only a small piece of her personal puzzle. I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. Come on. I'll teach you. Everybody told me to stay in my lane. You know, and my lane started to just get so narrow. You were the best assignment I ever had. Really. I'm honored. I don't think I'm just an actress or a writer or a painter. I think I'm just an artist. Oh, I can hear the defense now. Your Honor, Detective Stabler sexually aroused my client to elicit a confession. He was raped at SVU. The last time we met was back in 2018. Yeah, and they smelled fantastic. And given the severity of the brain hemorrhage that she told us she suffered two decades ago, it's actually a miracle Stone's doing anything, let alone painting. There was about a 5% chance of me living. So it affected your speech? My speech, my hearing. Walking? Walking. Fast forward to 2020, during the pandemic, a friend of hers gave her a paint-by-numbers kit, and she found herself at an easel in her bedroom. She posted the result on Instagram. It actually looks like something, which I find completely remarkable. I did the paint-by-numbers with a lot of diligence because I wanted to get my brush strokes together. To have the brush strokes perfect and flawless is a really painstaking, irritating, <laughs> complicated exercise. Really, exercise. It, yeah. it really is a pain in the ass. But that posterior painting pain did awaken something very familiar. Stone has actually been painting for most of her life. She started as a young girl growing up in rural Pennsylvania, where her aunt taught her almost everything she knew. You were how old then when she was? Oh, and she had I murals, have to show like. you a picture of her. She was really something. Oh, look at her. <laughs> right? Was there any piece of advice in terms of painting that you still call on? I think just that you're not wrong. There is no wrong. While attending Edinburgh University of Pennsylvania on a writing scholarship, Stone not only majored in art, made art to support herself. I sold every painting I made. I mean, I was selling them for like 25 bucks when I was in college just to eat. So you really did live the life of a starving artist there for a while. Oh my God, yeah. I feel what's coming through the the canvas here now. To watch her work all these years later. It's okay to not know. Yeah. You know, and it's also okay to go with not knowing is to watch someone in an almost trance-like state, open to whatever moves her. I'm letting it start to evolve and tell me what it wants to be. I think if you listen to the highest consciousness and follow that voice, how do you go wrong with that? So you gotta get out of your own way. way. Mm -hmm. All these paintings in a back room of her Beverly Hills home 
are getting ready to be shipped to Berlin, where Stone will open her very first international show next month. She's certainly not done with acting, but for now at least, Sharon Stone has traded the red carpet for a palette with every color under the sun. I do it because I'm fully and wholly immersed in it, and I love it, and I, I have to. It's because I'd rather do it than anything else. And this is my CBS painting. <laughs> painted just for you. <laughs> the NCAA women's basketball had an incredibly successful season. And now your favorite players from the 2023 to 2024 NCAA season will be in the WNBA. To all our veteran fans, welcome back. And to all the new fans joining, welcome to the W. This season, watch as proven legends Brianna Stewart, Asia Wilson, and Sabrina Ionescu continue their dominance, while rookies Caitlin Clark, Cameron Brink, and Angel Reese prove themselves on a WNBA court. The WNBA is redefining basketball on their own terms this season, keeping the game and players front and center, while celebrating the intersection of identities and perspectives that align with fans. Welcome to the W. You're in for some world-class basketball. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Two prominent men, Britain's King Charles and here at home, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, have revealed they're dealing with prostate issues. Reason enough to ask our Dr. John LaPook for this prostate user's guide. So what is the prostate and why does it cause so many problems for men? It's a topic most people don't want to discuss and are certainly not used to hearing about on television, but it can have a big impact on your life. The prostate is a small organ that sits just beneath the bladder. Its main function is to provide a nourishing fluid that helps transport sperm. As men age, the prostate tends to increase in size. And as the gland enlarges, it can block the flow of urine from the bladder. In plain English, that can make it harder to pee and lead to a lot of middle-of-the-night trips to the bathroom. That's what King Charles has, an enlarged prostate also called BPH, or benign prostatic hyperplasia, if you want to get technical about it. The key word here is benign, with symptoms that are rarely life-threatening. A bigger problem is when the prostate becomes cancerous. Prostate cancer is the second leading cause of cancer death in men, and is what Secretary Austin was diagnosed with. What makes this tricky is that while about one in eight men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer, it often grows so slowly that about 80% of those men, if untreated, would end up dying of another cause, including old age. But sometimes prostate cancer is fast growing and a real threat. So what to do? You may be familiar with a screening blood test called PSA, or prostate-specific antigen. There are limitations to using PSA testing to screen for prostate cancer, since this protein is made by both BPH, an enlarged prostate, and cancerous prostate tissue. Since both BPH and prostate cancer lead to increasing levels of PSA, there are concerns PSA screening leads to overdiagnosis and overtreatment. 
That, in turn, has prompted disagreement among medical professionals about its overall benefits. Tests can sometimes yield a false positive. You suspect you have cancer when you actually don't, leading to an unnecessary biopsy. Or you diagnose and overtreat a slow-growing cancer. Bottom line, talk to your healthcare provider and have a careful discussion about the risks and benefits of screening. Taking into account individual factors like family history, age, race, and more. If your PSA is elevated, other tests may help decide if a biopsy is needed. If cancer is suspected, a biopsy can confirm it, and a wide range of approaches can be considered, from active surveillance, just monitoring the tests and seeing if the cancer grows, to zapping only the part of the prostate where cancer has been found, to removing or destroying the entire gland. In Secretary Austin's case, his cancer led doctors to remove his prostate entirely. Prostate cancer is more common in black men. For King Charles, the enlarged prostate will be treated in the hospital this coming week, and he should be fine. Two men, two common diagnoses, and two very different treatments, which offer lessons for all of us. Now it's on to New Hampshire. Tuesday, voters in the Granite State head to the polls for the first presidential primary of 2024. Historian Mark Updegrove has some thoughts. Democracy is messy. Winston Churchill famously reminded us that it has been said that democracy is the worst form of government except all those other forms. It's fraught with partisan rancor, name-calling, and finger-pointing. That's especially true in a presidential election year, and even more so this year, given the fractured state of our union. And who could blame those who are turned off and tuned out? A recent study shows that 38% of Americans say that they often or sometimes avoid the news, due mainly to its depressing nature. Yet there has also never been a more important time to pay attention to what's happening in our country and to show up at the polls. In a democracy, every election counts. A government of the people, by the people, and for the people depends on the people. The insurrection at the U.S. Capitol three years ago, recent measures to make voting more difficult, openly authoritarian language by the leading Republican presidential candidate, and polls suggesting that Americans think democracy isn't working are warning signs that our democracy is not an inalienable right. Rather, it is in the hands of every generation to preserve and make stronger for the next. Last century, we fought two global wars to make the world safe for democracy. This century was ushered in by terrorist attacks on 9-11, threatening our very way of life. We overcame those challenges through our resilience and resolve to protect our liberty and democratic values. Now those same values are being questioned and tested at home. As Americans, these are threats we can't afford to ignore. In his book Profiles in Courage, John F. Kennedy wrote, in a democracy, every citizen, regardless of his interest in politics, is in a position of responsibility. The kind of government we get depends upon how we fulfill those responsibilities. The choice of what kind of government we get is up to us, but we must elect to make the choice. I'm Lee Cowan. Thanks for listening. Please join us when our trumpet sounds again next Sunday morning. If you like CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Polly, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. 
Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news, and culture maker interviews, and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be because Survivor 46 is here and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Devaya Daris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast. And to ask Jeff some questions, because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.